Tim Brown, and this is the Hook Better Leads podcast. Today, I'm here with John Dye of the American Contractor Show. How you doing, John? Hey, man. Good to see you, Tim. Uh, we're talking about the importance of self-respect, self-worth, and uh, authenticity in contracting. Hey, man, you're inside of companies on a regular basis, a lot of contracting businesses, and I kind of want to. I want to get into. We're talking a lot about a lot of things today. A lot about mindset. But what's the difference between a successful company and one that's not, based on your experience being inside these companies? Well, I mean, success is so. It's such a fluid term, but it's it's all over the place. And and what one person may deem to be successful may not be what the next person deems to be successful. But if we were to measure success strictly by, let's say, uh, revenue versus profit and profitability, and there's so many ways around that. But re what really makes a successful business versus one that's not is um, ultimately comes down to who's on that team, how that team operates, how they work together, what they're able to accomplish. And it doesn't matter if it's just a husband and wife team or if it's 40, 50 people in that company, they're both, they could both have different levels of success. When a team becomes unsuccessful though, in my opinion, is when, you know, you're having that constant turnover and people are, mm. don't want to work with you. Like you, you can measure that, Hey, you know what? You're not, you're just there for the profitability or for the revenue. And you're not there for actually like developing people and making this business mm. about how do we make people's lives better? then the business becomes, in my mind, unsuccessful. Uh, it could be making good money, but if you're not not really doing anything to help humankind, then what's the point? That's good. How do you measure that? You told me before this uh, that the golden rule is don't work for free. I like that a lot. How do you measure that against, you know, obviously we want to make profit. So I want to keep right. my people and keep them happy. And I want to be profitable. Can you do both? at the same time as a contracting business and hundred percent. What is the, if the, which one's more important, I guess. They're both important and they both need to be married together. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. can make money and make your people happy and make their lives yeah. better. You could also make money and make their lives worse. Okay. If people are miserable yeah. and don't want to come to work, it doesn't matter how much money they're making. They're, they may mm. show up just because of the money, but they hate their job and they hate their life and they hate themselves for it internally um, yeah. because they feel like they've sold out. You ever heard people say, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a slave to the man now. That's what I am, like whatever. What they're referring to at that point is that they hate their job, but they, they have to have it in order to, make, to get their bills paid, right? Um, and so you can have it to where, you know, and there's, and there's companies I know that pay their people too much money, so the ownership isn't making any money. And this is common in the roofing space specifically because so many guys are in this 10, 50, 50 split sales split, but it's really not true. The numbers don't make sense. And it'll drive. Sometimes the salespeople are making way more money than what the company's making and the company's not able to survive. So at yeah. the end of the day, it's got to be like the pie has to be equal. Like you got to be, look at it and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to make this work for everybody to where this is a system that number one is fair, but yet is, is scalable, practical, and makes sense for the entire business and for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. It has to be looked at that way. And you have to view it in that lens of, and, and being empathetic and putting yourselves in every every role situation, what does the ownership need to make? So a salesperson needs to be very cognizant of the fact that ownership has put out a lot of risk 
and they should be making some money for that. And that has to be, this has to be like a very open conversation between salespeople and owners. Cause a lot of salespeople, owners are very, well, I'll, I'll put this more on the ownership side that they don't want their salespeople to feel like they're making a lot of money. But at the same mm. time, salespeople need to realize like if this ownership, if they're not making enough money, then this business isn't going to survive for very long. Right. Uh, and it, yeah. And, and so, you know, it, it, the ominous goes back, it goes both ways. And the ownership has to realize we have to make sure that our salespeople and our production people and all the people that work here are making a fair wage and that they're able to be happy and they have a good work-life balance. So when all those pieces are really looked at, what makes a company successful versus not successful, it comes back to that. Like, and yeah, making profits is important. You know, that's where, yeah, now working for free is where our whole supplementing thing came into play years ago. That's what I learned, but that's what I was taught mm -hmm. as a kid. But I will say this though, growing up and um, listening to the stories of how my grandfather ran a business or my great grandfather and some of the, the things that the old, the, the old timers, you know, I, I would have a really hard time working for some of those guys. And the stories that yeah. I've heard that the way that they've treat that they would treat people, the way that, um, you know, jobs would go and things like that, like pff, blows my mind. It's like, man, that's, yeah, that's one of the things that would just, it would irritate me. And I, I don't think I would be able to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cut it. That's for sure. Um, but looking at today and looking at having spent so much time in all these different businesses, the, the successful ones are the ones that have a balance across the board that, everyone's aware everyone's cool with it and everyone understands that certain risks require higher risk higher reward and if you want to come to work and you want to get paid a fair wage here's a great place to do it it's a great team it's a healthy environment it's healthy for the business owners to make money yeah. okay that's a healthy thing if you're if you're not okay with that then your business is there's something broken if if the salespeople are resentful of ownership that makes money um and, and vice versa. Sometimes I've seen owners that are resentful that their sale, they feel like their salespeople are making too much money. Um, mm -hmm. And so there has to be mutual respect that this is a pie that we all need to eat out of and it has to make sense for everybody. And when Let's that starts to happen it together. Yeah, it's got to, exactly. It's a team effort and it takes the, so, it takes the whole team. What do you, you know, we were talking about kind of these different levels. It's like, you're saying it's almost harder to go from 5 million to 15 million and, if you get like the hundred million dollar problem is almost less difficult than the five million dollar guy's problem because you have more people probably to deal with yep. those issues, et cetera. And I mean, a lot of companies, most companies don't get to the hundred million. Like that's like one percent of one percent, right? So yep. probably one percent of that. I mean, it's like not probably. a lot, especially. I know, in, I know of one company <laughs> yeah. in the roofing yeah. space that is that is like that I'm personally friends with that is doing that type of revenue. Yeah. And I was and looking at the top hundreds. Yeah, exactly. The top hundred list is like the maybe the top ten or something might be above hundred million, but like, and most of those are commercial. Most of those way. are commercial. So yeah, I think there's only one out there that's like I think Abel's the only one that's over that's in the, that's residential. And yeah. you know, I look at those guys and I have mad respect for them. Um, and I'm, I'm friends with, you know, some of the team members that used to work at Able. And then I look at, you know, but, but we were talking about the problems based between the five and 15, getting to that 15 million mark or the $5 million mark. I feel like at that point, you're still, you're scaling your structure. And especially if you've been at that five, if you do a self-evaluation, you say, okay, you know, I've been at 5 million now for four or five, six years, and I haven't climbed that plateau or, or cleared that one yet. That's clearly because 
either number one, you're cool with that, you're satisfied, or number two, you you're you haven't gotten to that next level or you've been struggling trying to figure out what that secret recipe is, which it doesn't really exist. It's not a secret recipe. It's just hard work and right structuring and business mindset. But um, but I look at my friends that are doing the $100 million a year. Um, good friend of mine, Dustin Beagler, owns Apple Roofing. He just merged with, uh, they just merged with, with Sam Struthers, another good friend of mine, with Crest Exteriors. And I think from, I don't even. By, by the way, they're a client of ours. Okay, excellent. So you know these guys tr- through and through. Yeah. Um, great friends of ours. Dustin told me the other day, we were talking on the phone he said they may hit that hundred million. I thought that would be awesome if they did as a combined company, but I talked to Dustin all the time, you know, and the problems Dustin is having, uh, we talked, he called me a couple of weeks ago. I was in Denver. He, he gave me a ring and we were talking. He said his problems were, I, I can't, I cannot find an airplane to buy right now. That was his problem that day. Uh, you know, <laughs> like he literally yeah, just couldn't get his hands on a certain airplane. Cause he's like, I'm traveling so much and I can't get this plane yeah. and it was driving him nuts. How do I get this plane? Yeah. Or I can't get enough TPO right now. Or, you know, yeah. whatever the problem may be. His problems yeah. are very different than the $5 million guy. Who's like, yeah. I got to figure out how I'm going to pay my bills this month. I got to figure yeah. out how are we going to sell enough to stay in business? How I, I just had, if you only have four sales guys and one of them quits, you just lost 25% of your sales force. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's a big problem now. Now I've got, I just lost 20% of my income or you lost your production guy. Now you've only had, now you only got two production guys instead of three. Oh, well now I just lost a third of my production department. So those problems become much more amplified the smaller you are. So, but you see the difference. I mean, Beagler, he, he came through this process as well. And you could be one of those people that comes through this process and gets to whatever is astronomical gross for you. Um, if you're in that situation, what, what do you see as the difference with the, the mindset of the owner and just the, what's the difference in the structure of the company? Is it really that okay. 5 million mark to the 10 million mark where they have to kind of do some restructuring? What, what is that difference? I'll like? tell you one of the main differences that I notice about bigger companies versus smaller companies. And this I learned too with, with, um, what I dealt with uh, when I was a part owner at Balance Claims. Um, so we had five owners at Balance. There were five partners. Uh, we all had different ownership amounts. We all had different reasons for owning whatever we were. What I've noticed is that guys that grow, like Dustin, for example, he's now partnered with Sam. Before Sam, he was partnered with Mark, with Marcus. Uh, I've noticed that people, number one, figure out who they are as human beings. Okay, They have a massive amount of self-awareness. Um, they know they know what their strengths and what their weaknesses are, and they use that information to seek out partners that that can work with them and it can actually help them uh, where they're weak or or vice versa. So like Dustin, for example, Dustin's a great visionary kind of guy, right? Marcus is an integrator. Like Marcus is in there working that business, making things happen. Now Dustin's kind of a unique guy because he's kind of a little bit of both some, in some some ways. Sometimes he's a super visionary, sometimes he's super integrator. But either way, though, he's. I feel like the guys that struggle to to scale and go typically are the one man bands. That mm-hmm. guy that built that business from the startup, he was he was the guy that made it happen, and he wants to still be that guy, but he can't get to the next level. That's because we're not we can't be all things to all people. We have to, we have to figure out who we are. Once you figure out who you are, now you can start to grow the business. ACS, for example, we have partnerships. Okay. 
we're getting ready to transfer some partnerships right now. And so my partners are guys that are completely different than me. But what do they do? They hold me accountable. Okay. I'm I know where my weaknesses are as a business owner. Okay. I know that I'm not I'm not good at certain things while they are good at certain things. So they come in here and they may have a certain metric that they're looking at that I don't care about personally, but yet that metric is super important. And understanding having respect for those business partners and learning how to work with other people is really what leads you to success. Because everything, everything that we do, everything that we're about is about relationships. Mm. Okay. If you can learn how to manage relationships the right way and partnerships, that's all that life is about. Every successful person that I've ever met that has done made more than a million dollars a year in profit, like in their bank account, that is what they have been the best at. Learning how mm. to facilitate and network people. That's what makes sense. And so uh when they're when if you struggle with that, you struggle working with others, which is common, especially with contractors that are really, really gifted um, creatively or that have skills like 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 carpenters, for example. If you're a carpenter and you're out there doing like uh, you're building houses or doing whatever it is and you are a really, really good carpenter. Those guys I've noticed they're typically so good that they work by themselves. <laughs> they rarely even have employees because they're perfectionists. They're they're. They want everything to be so perfect. And so if you understood that about yourself, what does that mean that you would need for a business person? You need someone that's the opposite, that's going to see that vision and, and build the business and see the things that you're not seeing because a lot of times that perfectionism will will cost you a lot of, uh, it'll cost you business, it'll cost you time, and you won't be able to, to build a business around being a perfectionist because that's just not the way business works. But the same thing with people mm. that start their own businesses and grow them. If you are a business owner, and you're and you're going to uh, you've built this business. You have a lot to be proud of, especially if you're doing the five million dollars a year. That's a great thing. You've done more than most people have, will ever do. But if you really want to grow, you're going to have to probably trust other people and build relationships. And and those relationships will be your leverage to your next level and to your next growth. And you're going to have to give up. You're going to have to understand, like you know, in order for me to get to twenty, I'm at five, and I've got to give up twenty, thirty, forty percent of my business to make that work. 60% of 20 million is a lot more than a hundred percent of 5 million. Mm -hmm. So you have to start to understand like partnerships are beneficial for everybody. And when you spread the workload out and you, and you, and you bring your different talents to the table, all of a sudden now things begin to scale and things begin to work and requires those. And it requires a lot of respect and you got to be ready for that. So good good word and respecting others is part of it. And also so you had mentioned self-respect and self-worth. Why are those important for, uh, in, in a contracting business? Man, self, self-awareness, self-respect, self-worth, all those things are, are vitally important. Um, because you gotta, you gotta be, first off, if you're doing 5 million kudos, like congratulations. I keep saying that because I think that people got to understand like most of the people that come into this industry, and this is what I'm really passionate about because I love contracting. Um, I, I've been in this my whole life. This is all I know. And I didn't understand this until probably the last 10 years or so as I've watched the industry evolve and different things. But I really got a lot of respect for this industry because I look at all these business owners and you're doing $5 million a year. You, most of these guys that are in, in, in contracting that are doing that, they typically don't have the best past. 
um, they've overcome a lot of obstacles, whether it be legal obstacles or they've overcome themselves and in, in their own problems and personal problems or drugs or alcohol or whatever it is, addictions that they've had to overcome in order to become successful. And to me, that's so, so awesome. But the problem is a lot of people struggle to get past that and realize like, hey, you know what? That's not who I am. Yeah, I've had problems and, and understand and having respect for failure is really, really important. Um, fail, you know, I, I was always taught you either there's only a certain amount of ways that you learn things in life. Um, you either pay for that education, you go to school, you become an, uh, you, you get you go to college, whatever. You're going to spend that money in education there or you're going to go through uh, the process of trial and error and failure and you're going to pay for it through that process as well. So there's no free ride to being successful in life. So, but also realize like one is not better than the other. Okay. If you went through the trial and error part of life and it's gotten you to where you are today, congratulations. You are, you are a success story. Okay. So be cool with that. Be happy with that. Have self-respect about that, but also understand that with that comes a lot of responsibility now Success is a very, is a very, uh, it's a burdensome thing for most people. And so it's going to require you to do something with that success, be something bigger, get past it in your mind that you're a failure. No, it's okay. Everyone's a failure. No one is perfect. Number one, especially in this business. And you look at guys that are doing 30, 40, 50, 60 million dollars a year. And then you actually talk to them and realize where they came from. When you, you hear some of these stories, it'll blow your mind. Um, but the biggest thing for them is realizing that I am worth it. This is something that I, that I deserve. I have worked my butt off. I have, I've done all these cool things. So understand that you are deserving of that. That's the biggest takeaway. Get past it in your mind. I want to throw out some, something that Tommy Mello said. I love this dude. Uh, the home services, home service expert podcast, super great, but he was talking about how your self-esteem, like the thing holding most owners back from raising their prices is their self-esteem. And I think like, yeah, that is a thing. Like literally like most, cons a lot of business consultants will tell you to raise your prices and then be like, I can't, I can't. And you got to kind of get, get past that, but it is. It, and I've experienced that too. When we've had to raise prices, it's like self-esteem. Are we really that much better than we were a couple of years ago? Yes. And 6% on the economy just, uh, <laughs> got to raise your prices no matter what but um yeah the the idea of self-esteem affecting pricing is kind of interesting to me it is and it, it's it's a big deal though because a lot of guys like you get in the forums and there's guys there's a contractor a few weeks ago i saw that was talking about how he sells roofs for 200 a square and he can't figure out how guys are getting 350 400 a square for for uh residential roofs and you know it just seems outrageous and everyone in there's like how are you selling roofs for 200 a square <laughs> that's like the biggest question you know and this is a guy yeah. that is installing how is roofs possible? yeah how yeah. is it even he's possible doing I mean, it himself, probably. he's literally doing it himself yeah. and uh you know he it blows but it's funny how the mindset is so different and it's that guy yeah, yeah he's doing the work he's he could be easily selling it for three hundred, four dollars a square, but it's all in his head. Yeah, he thinks he's only and worth two hundred a square. And it also does like you know. Another thing that I heard somebody say, I'm just a collection of other people's quotes apparently, but was essentially it's selfish not to grow. 
you know, it's, and I like that a lot. That, that helps me a lot because I think like, sometimes when I think I'm growing, like our company's growing, I'm like, oh, is this selfish? Am I like just trying to impose our will upon the, the world? And, <laughs> and then I'm like, no, this, like these people are growing. They have more opportunity. Like the people that could be on your team, if you're that guy doing it, nothing wrong with that. It's awesome. Especially like having that background as a craftsman, you're going to have a better roofing company than somebody who yeah. just came from like some other industry and like is trying to like make this business like so who who are you not letting their you know making their lives better that you could be making their lives better if you grew your team a little bit i mean right. there's opportunity there for other not people that, but how many you, customers could you help are you selfish yeah. by keeping yourself small when there's clearly a demand for what you're doing but you're only letting 20 people in the door when you could be letting 100 people in the door mm. There's more roofs to be done. There's a lot more roofs and, to be uh, done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why is authenticity? You were talking about authenticity and marketing. And you'd oh, mentioned a podcast, um, Live Exposed podcast has kind of inspired some of your thinking on this. But why is it authenticity so important to you right now and to um, any roofing company or contractor that's that's doing their marketing? For sure. And Live Exposed, by the way, is Reggie Brock's podcast. It's brand new. I think he's only three episodes deep. That podcast is, uh, Reggie's one of my favorite people in the industry. And um, he's got such great insight into all this stuff. But um, when when we talk about authenticity, especially in marketing, this is one of the biggest things because I look at a brand like ACS, for example. Um, we were talking about this this morning with viral with videos that go viral and stuff like that because you know partners and different people want viral videos that's cool but we don't control viral videos number one yeah. um we can't control that we don't know what videos are. we had one go viral last week got eight million views so far and it went out like on thanksgiving day and why mm. that went viral i don't know we had a video on on facebook that it got 18 million views why that one video went viral i don't know i can't tell you the answers to that but i can tell you mm. is you know with with marketing and what you're doing as a contractor or what you're doing as a marketer, forget about the likes and the, and the, uh, all the stuff that people, the analytics that go behind everything. That's what everyone cares about. Well, I got so many views. I got this, I got that. It's never about that. It's about being real and being authentic about what you're about. Understand you have a mission because first, most contractors, they try to keep their life, to, they want things to look a certain way. They want things to appear a certain way. They want to appear like, you know, whatever, whether, whatever it is that they want it to appear like they're going to mm. build and craft their persona, uh, with whatever it is that they feel is the most, uh, marketable version of themselves. Right. Instead of realizing, you know what, we have core values and some, well, most businesses don't even go in, into a core value, even exercise and figure out what they're really about. But if you were to really sit down and figure out, okay, this is what our business is about. We're about this, 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 and this. We are passionate about helping people. We are passionate about whatever it is. You build that, that thing. Like for ACS, we're passionate about celebrating contractors. Everything else falls into place. As long as we're doing that, that's what we care about, right? We're passionate about getting people into trades and all that stuff. When you look at your business and you figure out, okay, yeah, we, we provide a service, but why do we provide that service? How do we provide that service? Who do we provide that service to? What does that ideal client look like? Who do we love to work with? Who, who gives us the best, you know, the best reviews? And people are, are different all over the place. And when you start to be really authentic and say, you know what? We're going to work with this type of customer because this is the customer that we are best at working with. 
and you start mm. to uh, build that build that marketing around that and authentically with the passion build that voice around that all of a sudden people will respect that and you'll find that the people that you really want to be attracted to you will be attracted to you because they're going to hey, relate with your done. message hmm? are you going to win the storm i am not <laughs> okay i just hey sorry i'm ADD, so i just <laughs> wanted to ask um i <laughs> like i was thinking about this recently because to be real, our ideal customer is not a storm chaser per se. Right, and that's where um, we're that's where we're at too as a business. Um, we have made I just a conscious like decision these, not to go to win yeah, the storm. I, to be honest, I like these. I like a nice retail focus. Maybe do some insurance, but like a yeah, you know they they're building a brand in their community. They're doing they're in service to their community. That's my company. That's our like yep. ideal customer. Honestly, our ideal customer Beagler is kind of an outlier ideal customers like 2 million to like 8 million or something like that. Um, but yeah, I just like when I catch myself thinking, Hey man, I should maybe just wonder what all that money's about down at when the storm, like I gotta be real with myself. That's not our ideal customer. That's okay. It's not our ideal it's customer. Okay. It doesn't align yeah. with our values. And we've, yeah. we've made a conscious decision to uh, discontinue any associations with, you know, SVG in general, but that's because we had to figure out who are we as a business. Yeah. What is it we want to be? Who do we want to attract? Who do we want to work with? And um, I've gone to it. I was there the last two years now, but that was, you know, through my ownership with balance, we had to be there. But since ACS, mm -hmm. when, since we took ACS private and, and, and took it over, that was one of the decisions that we made as a business. And we had to authentically decide, Hey, we're not going to do this. We yeah. want to, we, we have a, we have a place that we belong in a place that we don't belong. And yeah. uh, we're we're cool with that. I'm happy with it's that. Okay. That's a and cool, it doesn't even have to decision. be negative. It's not negative. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be and it, like, you know, for a contractor, if they've decided that they're going after only like a like high end roofs or, you know, like or whatever. And the I have types of I have people that do that. It's, it's OK to, yep. to make a decision. And you are so much better with your marketing when you really do make a decision about who is your idea your marketing just gets a lot more tight. You get, yep. you can get better with your like Facebook ad, like demographics and stuff like that. There's a lot of ways that you, that this makes your marketing cheaper basically when you get well, really clear about who your ideal customer is, no matter. It makes you your marketing it. cheaper. And I think it makes your customer satisfaction go up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because your customers know that you know how to work with them. We did an episode with a contractor in Texas. And um, he's a he's young. He was only he's only 26. That's uh, Drake Gordon. He owns Executive Exteriors. He only does, you know, Da Vinci tile roofs, Ludo Ludo was it Ludo uh, Ludos, and he does um, just basically anything high end. He will not do small cheap roofs. Uh, he told us in the episode. I think his revenue was, I will say it's in the mid teens. And it was only like yeah. a few hundred jobs, like a couple hundred jobs. Like it was insane. Yeah. Right. And so you look at those numbers and you're like, dude, what the heck? He only did this many jobs and did what most guys would take a thousand to 1500 jobs to do. And yeah. he only has 250 customers now every year. Hmm. And he does more revenue than most guys do. And he runs a phenomenal business. His projects are big, but that's what he knows how to do. He loves that challenge yeah. and he loves it. And those are all the jobs he takes on. 
If someone were to bring him a three tab roof, he said, I would never even do it. He said, I'd fire, I'd fire a salesperson if they brought me a three tab roof. (laughs) I I just won't do it because that's not who we are. It's cool. John, uh, is it bad to be satisfied? You know, sometimes it feels like challenging yourself, you know, not, not, you know, people use that in different ways. Don't be satisfied, you know, and then you have to figure out what's enough for you as a business owner. Like what, is it bad to be satisfied? I think that's a misnomer, you know, and I think, uh, I think that's a really personal question for every individual to take. And I think, uh, happiness is more important than satisfaction in my opinion. And Mm. so you got to take that into account and look at, you have to evaluate your life and what you're trying to accomplish and why you're doing what you're doing. And then come to realization, like this is, when is enough enough? Um, what is, what's making you truly happy? What are you trying to accomplish? And at that point, then, you know, start to re re rejig your goals. Maybe you go through this exercise and you feel like you're satisfied right now and you go through it and you're like, no, you know what? I really want to accomplish this in my life and I'm not going to get there with where I am today. Um, and so this all requires so much self-awareness and self-reflection that you've got to start with all these questions and figuring out who you really are as a person. Um, a lot of people equate satisfaction to money and that's, that's a terrible way to be satisfied. Um, at the end of the day, like, what are we really leaving behind? If all you're leaving behind is, is a, is a great inheritance, but you left no personal relationship with your family behind, was it really worth it? Was it worth it to not know who your kids are or not know your grandkids or not, you know, Mm. not know your spouse because you spent all of your time focused on building something that you thought, well, this is my legacy. This is what, is it really your legacy though? Is that really what you want your legacy to be? Well, he was the guy that just worked his butt off the whole time. Yeah. He left us all this money, but we're all just going to give it away or piss it away anyways. Right. So who really cares? Um, cause that's, that's ultimately what's going to happen. And so you look at all these things and you think, man, why, why are we doing what we're doing? What makes you satisfied? And then go back and figure that out. Maybe you, you'll find that maybe you are at 5 million and you feel like, you know what? I'm doing good with my life. I'm happy. I have a good structured, balanced life. I work a lot, but I also have a great relationship. I take vacations. I do what I got to do. And, and at the end of the day, if that's what makes you happy, then be okay with that. Um, so it's, there's so many, there's so many different but, ways to look at that. But guys like me will just keep on promoting this idea of growth and <laughs> marketers use problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so let's say all the ads on Instagram for, they think I'm a contractor. So all the ads are like promoting a problem with you being stuck. You're stuck at 5 million. You're stuck, you know, like all this vibe of like, marketers create problems to sell you shit. Remember that. Mm-hmm. That is important to remember. It's very important I mean, to remember. We, we can use that. We can use that for homeowners to sell roofs, <laughs> to sell projects, but you have to be aware of what marketing psychology is. And it's a little sick sometimes it is. It is sick. And it, but at the same time though, like that's where you got to be really, really um, honest with yourself. Are you really stuck? Are you really, are you like content? Maybe you're content at that 5 million. Maybe you're content coming in every day, having a solid business that has a good number of customers. You're happy. You go camping on the weekends. You have a boat, you have whatever you have your, your things that, you know, you love to do with your family. You have all this stuff. And maybe for someone, I mean, do think about it. like 
I have so many friends that like I went to high school with, and this is like the whole thing, you know, you go to the small town high school. This is where I, I'm from Chicago, but I ended up graduating in a small town in Southern Indiana. And so I go back home and see my parents or whatever, see my, my mom. And uh, I'll run into buddies of mine from high school or from wherever. And, you know, they work at the local factories. Their, their idea of, of a good life is they have their house. Maybe they got an acre or two out in the country somewhere. Um, they've got their family. They got their kids. Friday nights are at Applebee's. That's cool. You know, they are the song. Like, that's what they do every every weekend. Like, that's how their life goes. Mm-hmm. They maybe go out uh, every now and again. They have a good time. They go to the local Oktoberfest. That's life, you know. They see each other mm-hmm. all the time. They make $70,000, $80,000 a year, and, they you know, they've they've made it to the supervisor level. Man, they're they're ecstatic with where where they are in life. I have, in fact, sometimes I feel like, man, I, I'm kind of envious. <laughs> like yeah, it's so simple. Too. Like it's like, man, that's just it's easy. And then we, you know, look at our businesses, and I'm like, if I don't make X amount this year, I'm gonna really have a rough year. You know, if I didn't do this, if I don't yeah. accomplish this in my life, and we have a whole different yeah. set of of triumphs but that's like a that's kind of the, what makes us entrepreneurs and what makes us click yeah. so even being an entrepreneur yeah. you're going to get to a point where you're going to be like all right this is i'm i'm good <laughs> like i can afford this i can live like this and i have a lot of friends that have gotten to that space in life too where they're you know they're older now they've accumulated whatever they've wanted to accumulate they um they're living a, a very comfortable life they're they'll never have to worry about anything for the rest of their lives and they are good to go. And they own their rental houses. They own whatever. And to me, I'm almost at that at that level now where I'm. Cause I'm 35 now, so I'm going through like this whole metamorphosis myself. I'm trying to decide what's really important. What do I really want to accomplish? How am I going to get there? And I'm getting more. I'm leaning more towards that. Like, all right, let's buy. Let's start buying some rental houses. Let's start getting. Let's start building this mm-hmm. other little thing up so that you know, in a few years, we don't have to work as hard. We don't have to be so mm-hmm. stressed out and anxious all the time. Uh, because that all takes a toll on you. And some of us are just wired yeah. that, hey, you know, we just like to chill and not have to do this. Now, there's other people that look at guys like Warren Buffett who still is working and he's like 90-some years old, whatever. That guy will probably yeah. work his way into the grave someday. But him retiring would probably lead him to death sooner. <laughs> so there's people yeah. that are wired that way too. So, you know, yeah. you've got to really figure out who you are to be understand if you're satisfied or not. That leads us into my last question. All right. This is a big one. So feel Uh-oh. free to chip chat through it a little bit, but how do you cultivate purpose as a contractor? Man, purpose is so much bigger than your than being a contractor though. Um yeah. that's gotta be number one the thing. Contracting is an is an avenue that helps you fulfill your purpose, is what I believe. Mm. Um business, all of, all the things that we do and purpose is you've got to once again through that go through that exercise and figure out what you are we all have a purpose we all have a reason for being on earth we all have a reason for existing um and so typically the the most common purpose people have and the most commonality i think that we can find amongst most humans is we all want to be good people and we want to help others um the question is what are you doing to help others and how are you doing it and what, you know, what's the best avenue for you to help as many people as you can? And that's kind of where my purpose comes into play, too, is I want to help a lot of people. So what is my what is my road that I'm going to use the 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 vehicle that's going to lead me to allow me to do that? And you, you your business should be that, too. Um, if your business is not helping people, then what why are you doing it? 
because mm-hmm. um, that's ultimately like should be probably the most common theme rum uh, uh, as far as as far as uh, purpose goes. And then, mm. but then you can start to narrow it down. Okay, so I want to help yeah. these people with this problem. I want to so- help find a solution to this problem in the world. Um, I want to yeah. help do this. I want to help. And then, so finding that purpose is important. And some people, they find their purpose on a very, very local level. Um, they've seen that there's a, a local problem. Get involved with that local problem. Find, and that's actually a good place to start. Um, I got involved with local politics several years ago. And uh, it was one of the funnest things I ever did. And it was fun, you know, helping a, I helped a mayor run for, for uh, when she ran for mayor. And, um, you know, getting involved in that and seeing, learning about people and, and putting yourself out there, I think was one of the best exercises you can ever do to discover your purpose. Um, because I'm a, I'm a big fan that work leads to more work. More action leads to more action that leads to more results. Yeah. So if you feel like you're stuck trying to figure out your purpose, well, do something. Even if you don't even know if that's really what your purpose needs to be in life, do it anyways. Go mm-hmm. get involved with, you know, a, like I got involved with uh, with that political thing. I was involved with uh, League of Miracles, which was a, um, it was like a, uh, it, it's a baseball court or baseball field. I love baseball. So it was a baseball field for special needs kids. So it was like a rubberized field. Um, and they would come out and there was like no rules. It just every Saturday special needs kids would come from the different places and they would play baseball. And it was, it was fun. It was rewarding. It was fulfilling. And it, it led me to realize like, Hey, this is what I love. So I don't love this. What I want to do. And things lead to more things. But mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do is think, man, I have something inside of me that I want to give, but I, I haven't done it yet. Even if it's just as simple as starting out by, giving the guy a dollar at the off ramp, you know, that could lead to something different down the road, or that can start your building those, um, those, those, uh, those small, small things that can lead to the big things in life. Um, it's all about, it's all about how you view it and what perspective you have, but purpose is such a, man, it's so important because if you have no purpose, you, what are you doing? If your only purpose is to make money, become rich, I think you're going to be very disappointed in life. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like, even if you start there, like, let's say I find it useful to ask why five times, right? Like I, I, I want to make money. Why Tim, you know, just so that my family can be okay, you know, and that I can create some opportunity maybe and not be like desperate kind of thing. Well, why? Well, (laughs) I, you know, I grew up a little, you know, felt poor or whatever. And I, I had to, um, fend for myself a little bit or whatever it happens to be. I want my kid's life to be better. And it's like, why? Well, I want to be a better dad and why? Well, I want, I want to leave the world just like 30% better than I found it around my family. You know what I mean? Like, so like that can connect you, I think to purpose too. just asking yourself, why are you urged? Why do you have that urge inside you? Cause some of these guys are they got this crazy motivation, man. You've seen it. I've seen it. And it seems like it's just money, but you know, there's a bigger deal there. So I think yeah. just kind of like dive into what's motivating you. And that, that honestly, in my, for, I think for most people, unless you're a psychopath <laughs> leads back to kind of loving other humans and treating people. Well, I do think yeah, that our, humanity our natural instincts come from wanting to 
to leave the world a better place. I don't know. I guess, I guess that's, I think you and I have that in common that we both feel like that's, that's what this leads back to. And ultimately everything else in life will work itself out. Yeah. That's, that's what I believe through and through is you keep doing the right thing. You keep helping people. You keep putting things out there. You keep uh, trying to make others lives better. Your life will become better. Um, I don't stress about, or I'm not anxious about like, you know, how much money we're going to make off of things or what's going to happen. I'm anxious about how are we going to become better today than we were yesterday? How are we going to influence poor people? How are we going to do more, do more good in the industry than we did yesterday? And if, as long as we mm. keep doing that, I know that the rest of everything else will work itself out. As long as you figure out how do I make someone else's life better? If you're a contractor and you're, you're trying to make things and, and do things right in business, if you are constantly looking for ways to make other people's lives better, your life will become better. And that's gotta yes. be the, that's gotta be the simple goal. I love it. All right, John, thank you so and much thank for you, being on the podcast. I appreciate um, it. Where should people go to check you out if they, if they haven't Man, heard of if, you yet? If, <laughs> American Contractor Show. Get Just, your life together if you haven't heard of John Dye. <laughs> go look up American Contractor Show if you want to hang out with us. If you want some supplement training help, we got supplementclass.com where I do some training with contractors. It's a subscription type thing. Um, but other than that, I mean, that's that's what we focus on is, uh, you know, helping contractors become better. So we'll, we'll give you as much information as we can, but make sure to follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all of the above. We're, we're all over the place. So, and come see us if you're an event, awesome. say hey. Yeah. So... Love it, love it. Follow Thank you, you guys Tim. on Instagram. I love the fun, the funny videos in particular. I appreciate it. So, um, all right. Well, thanks everyone for watching and listening. It's uh, put on by HookAgency.com. Hook Agency all over social. So, thanks for joining us. Bye.